0: Welcome to Pick Action Roll, brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. I'm your host Ryan Blackburn, at NBA Blackburn on Twitter. It is Thursday night, uh, Friday morning, technically 12:38 a.m. As I record this, following the Denver Nuggets' loss to the Phoenix Suns, final score 140 to 130. Man, 140 points—that is an incredible number. And honestly, I don't think the Denver's defense was that bad. Like It's it's one of those things where this was a game that the Suns came prepared for, that came ready for. They were going to try to send a message to the Nuggets. And Denver really responded well, I thought. I thought that Denver was absolutely keeping pace with them for a long time. And if, if you look at the box score, or not even the box score, just look frame by frame for each quarter. Phoenix and Denver tie at 31 in the first quarter. Denver wins the second quarter by two, 37 to 35. Denver and Phoenix tie 38 in the third quarter apiece. And then Phoenix continued the onslaught with 36 points in the fourth quarter, but Denver only scored 24. For a large period of that quarter, uh, Denver had, had scored a very low amount with the second unit. They weren't necessarily getting the same good looks as they had previously, that's not really surprising, right? Like, after seeing what Bones Highland did in the first half, they absolutely tried to counter him in the second half. 19 points for Bones in the first, only four in the second. That's not necessarily a knock on Bones. They put Mikael Bridges on him. They took him extremely seriously. Devin Booker was very engaged on defense. Boy, Devin Booker. Like, there are certain performances that are eye-opening, For you and changing your tenor on a player. Devin Booker is a certified superstar. Like, there's no doubt in my mind that he deserves to be clearly in the all NBA conversation, and he's borderline top 10. Like, given what he's been able to do, obviously he doesn't have to carry the entire load. Chris Paul had 17 points and 13 assists himself. But Booker, 49 points, 10 assists, 16 of 25. 15 of 17 from the line. He was unstoppable tonight, plus 16 and a 10-point win. It was incredible, honestly, to watch. And you start to realize that when, when a guy is going off like that, the only thing you can do is make things as difficult as possible guarding him and then try to take away the margins where they exist. But for the rest of the starting unit for the Suns, Chris Paul goes 6 of 10. DeAndre Ayton goes 8 of 14. Mikhail Bridges, 8 of 9. Jay Crowder, 4 of 8. 4 of 7 from 3. Those were killers. Those were really, really painful. And you just look up and down that lineup and think, man, they absolutely went at the Nuggets with everything that they had. Second night of a back-to-back, didn't matter. Booker, 39 minutes. Bridges, 38 minutes, Chris Paul coming off of an injury, 30 minutes, 8-33 and 33 off a of back-to-back. They went hard for this game. They really, really wanted this win. And the Nuggets, I thought, matched them for a long period of time. And I, I don't think that there's any, like, there is no shame in losing to the Suns right now. They are 60-14 and 14, playing at a higher level than any team in the NBA. We're going to talk about it. We're going to talk about this game. But at some level, Nuggets fans, I hope you realize that this is just a great team doing great things right now. And the Nuggets, as close as they were for much of this game, they couldn't quite get over the hump. It's not really shameful. The Suns were just playing at a completely different level. They're like the 2014 Spurs right now in terms of how how I view them. Just an incredible collection of talent. Let's start with the starters here. We'll go to the bench after, and then we'll kind of talk about this matchup, the Nuggets versus Suns death machine, and talk about what that means for Denver in the future, but also in the present here. Let's begin with the starters, though. Nikola Jokic. Really weird game from him. Only took 10 shots. 9 of 10 from the field. 9 of 11 from the free throw line. One of two from three. The only shot that he missed all night was two free throws, his first two free throws of the game, and then a three-pointer at one point or another. I can't even remember what happened. But 28 points, six rebounds, six assists, three steals. Really good sign right there. Eight turnovers. And the eight turnovers happened in a variety of ways. It wasn't like there was just one thing that really led to it. He got, a, he got a little bit sloppy in transition where Booker kind of pried the ball away from him a time or two. Um, he tried to thread the needle a couple of times in transition. That didn't really work. He committed a turnover when he went at DeAndre Ayton on the block and then kind of spun out of it, wasn't necessarily ready for the physicality, tried to force a pass that wasn't there, and then uh, just kind of looked around after that also had an offensive foul on, on a screen. that was It was definitely a foul. It irritated me because it was preceded by a bunch of kind of 50-50 calls for in my estimation, but that all went against Denver. But it was still a thing. And Denver still was put into this position with Nikola Jokic where he's just got to be better. He's got to be more crisp. And if you want to beat the Suns, you have to maximize every single possession The Suns committed eight turnovers all night. Denver doubled that up, and Jokic had eight by himself. That's just not going to get it done. And I I don't want to like rag on him too much because he's got so much on him right now. But Denver's other, like, other starters came to play. They were absolutely ready to go. They had like Jeff Green had 11, Aaron Gordon had 21, Will Barton had 17, Monte Morris had 15. They all shot above 50%. Jokic himself shot 90%. Like 28 points on 10 shots is incredible. But these margins do matter. And against a team like the Suns, they capitalized and had 30 points on Denver's 17 turnovers. It says 16 in the box score. I think it's 17 team turnovers somehow. It was just a crazy number. To maximize that amount like Denver made mistakes, but to score 30 points off of 17 turnovers is incredible. So Denver's got to cut that down if they ever wanted to have a chance against the Suns. That's pretty clear. But I think the Jokic probably could have been more aggressive looking for his shot. There were a couple of times a couple of those turnovers were because he didn't take the floater or he didn't take the jumper and, and decided, no, let's try to create a new play for a teammate. And the thought is there. That's a good thought. So there's no, like, there's nothing wrong with that. But tonight, when he's got it going, shooting 9 of 10 from the field, just shoot the ball. Like, you're hot. You're doing great. It's too bad that it didn't happen that way. Aaron Gordon, I thought, had a pretty good game overall. Uh, 21 points, 10 of 16 from the field. Only 1-3 attempted and it wasn't really close, I'm surprised they only took one free throw. Like It seems like he was around the rim for the majority of his shots and probably got fouled more than the one time. But 21 points, six rebounds, didn't have any assists, but I don't think that was because Denver wasn't moving the ball well. They scored 130 points. Um, Zero steals and zero blocks for Aaron Gordon. He's just not the impactful defender on a guy like Devin Booker, that I think the Nuggets were really hoping for. And as Denver kind of moves into playoff mode, there are going to be a bunch of guards, a bunch of wings that you're going to face that Aaron Gordon is going to have to try to shut down. And if he can, then it will go a long way in Denver winning that series. If he can't, then Denver's going to be up a creek, so to speak. I'm a little bit worried about Gordon. He looks sometimes like he's just in a great place physically. And then there are some times where he's trailing the player, gets stuck on a screen and just can't really recover. And is is kind of laboring through that. That I don't know if he's a little bit hampered right now. He probably is, but everybody is. But when you let Devin Booker hang 30 or 49 points and 10 assists on you with only two turnovers, Something else has got to be figured out. And it wasn't just like Will Barton started on Aaron, on uh, Devin Booker. And there were times where Austin Rivers was on him, where Davon Reed was on him, where other guys were matched up on him. But it was mostly Aaron Gordon throughout the game. And I think that's important to note that when Denver put their best on Phoenix's best, Phoenix won. And them's the breaks. Will Barton tonight. I thought I had a pretty good game overall. 17 points, 8 assists, 5 rebounds, 7 of 10 from the field, 2 of 3 from 3. was just a very efficient performance. Had one turnover. It was a pretty loud turnover, but it, it was only one. And I would just... I would caution people from like bashing him for his defense or anything like that. Sometimes... Other teams are just going to execute at an extremely high level and make shots. It happened to Aaron Gordon. It happened to Monte Morris. It happened to Nicole Jokic. And it also happened to Will Barton. And Devin Booker's just in a different place tonight. He was very, very good. He has that level of talent. And to be able to do that, like, is pretty, pretty impressive. And he should be credited for it. Now, Will Barton gave him kind of an easy route to that to start the game, where he got to all of his spots, wasn't necessarily bothered by it physically. Anytime that Will Barton tried to get close to him, he committed a foul. And just overall, it sort of felt like he had no answer. And if that's the case, then Denver's going to be in a really tough situation when Aaron Gordon, let's say, he has to defend Chris Paul for a time or Mikhail Bridges is going off. Uh, Mikael Bridges went 8 of 9, so it's not like when Barton was switched off of Devin Booker that things got really easy for him. So I'm going to have to go back and watch the possessions. What I will say is, like any anytime you get 17 points on 10 shots, 8 assists compared to 1 turnover, your offensive night had to have been pretty good, and I thought that he was really good offensively. Just helped Denver move the ball as well as they did, and was just... Pretty strong. But the margins do matter. And when Denver gives up 140 points, a variety of players are going to take the blame. And Barton absolutely deserves some of it, but not all of it. So don't give him all of the blame here. Monte Morris, a very solid performance once again. 15 points on 5 of 10 himself. 4 of 6 from 3. 4 assists, 2 turnovers. Uh, the one turnover that he did have late, uh, I thought, was just a backbreaking turnover, a really, really bad turnover, where he collects the ball, he has a live dribble at basically like near mid-court, but well above the three-point line, and he tries to throw a pass to Nikola Jokic, who's like Iverson cutting across the lane. It, it really was supposed to be a wedge action trying to get him into the post or or like the high post or somewhere around there. But instead, Monte Morris throws them the ball when he should have dribbled himself over to the other side of the court and passed him the ball from a safer location. As it stands, DeAndre Ayton was able to easily pick off that pass. It led to two Phoenix Suns points and the momentum completely flipped to Phoenix's direction. That's a, an uncharacteristic Monte turnover. I'm not going to hold it over him for like, like a variety of reasons, particularly because Nicole Jokic had eight turnovers himself. But those are the ones where if you're looking back at the film, and, and I know that Michael Malone and the Nuggets will do this, so they're going to go back over the film and they're going to see, that's, that's guaranteed going to be one of the clips that they show, is that entire sequence. It's so Monte Morris not dribbling over, not making things easier on himself, committing a bad mistake, and then Denver losing Devin Booker on the other end and giving up two points. That's bad. That's a, a really, really bad sign and really, really bad sequence for Denver. So they've got to be more precise than that. Like, if you're heading into the playoffs, that turnover can't happen. If you allow that to happen, then you're going to get benched. And that's like, that's what any any coach would do if they were under a different sort of circumstance where Murray was available or Bones was a little bit more experienced or whatnot. It was a bad turnover. I don't want it to detract from Monte's game, though. Like, he was really, really good. And yet that happened. Finally, Jeff Green. Uh, four of six from the field. Three of three from three. Uh, Eleven points on six shots. Look. Matt Moore. Every time, uh, every time he hits a three, he just looks at me, just looks in my general direction, and is like, "Hey, thought you uh, thought you were criticizing Jeff Green for his, his three point percentage, huh?" And I was. And ever since I started, and not started, I've, I've been doing it for a while. But ever since that has really kind of plateaued, uh, Jeff Green has been really, really good in these last couple of games as a shooter. And as he locks in, as he gets more focused. Uh, he's clearly a better player who can make a difference. It's just kind of difficult uh, to call it both sides, I would say, where you, you have to acknowledge that the good exists when sometimes he, he kind of plays through the bad and and maybe isn't as focused at various points throughout the regular season. But this time he was pretty focused, did a pretty good job. Uh, Jay Crowder did get free a couple times away from him. Mikhail Bridges, same thing. Odd stuff. Like Denver, they kind of went with Bones Highland closing over him down in the last four minutes because they needed just that extra offensive punch. Uh, I'm not surprised about that. But it is kind of telling for Denver that they went small and and Jeff came off the floor and they just kind of needed that extra spacing. and, And when Jeff's on the floor, he really wasn't providing the rotational defense and discipline that they needed. The Suns are just a machine. They, they they kill everything. It's They kill happiness. It's, it's awful. Let's take a break. When we come back, we are going to talk about the bench unit and what they were able to do. But first, college basketball fans, join in on the action on the court during the biggest tournament of the year with DraftKings Sportsbook. Uh, turn your team's victory into your own win as new customers can bet just $5 on any team. And if they win, you get $200 in free bets. It's that simple. If they win, you win. I know I told everybody to bet on Gonzaga. My bracket is a complete disaster. And it became a completely lost bracket the moment that Gonzaga lost in the Sweet 16 round. So I'm all busted. But I definitely want to get on, a, get in on the action. Uh, take a look at Houston. Take a look at Arkansas. Some of these teams that have advanced to the Elite 8s. And I can do that. With new same game parlays where I can combine multiple bets from the same game for a bigger payout. The more legs you add, the more money you win in general. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. You can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. So make sure to download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code MHS where you bet $5 on any college hoops team to win and get $200 in free bets if they do. If they win, you win with promo code MHS this week at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older. Colorado only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. We're back pickaxe and roll ryan blackburn here thank you so much everybody for tuning in if you could it would be awesome if you could rate review and subscribe to the podcast five stars on apple podcast spotify google wherever you get your podcasts uh, as the reviews have kept coming in uh, I've, I've definitely liked to incorporate new things that i hear try to get away from some of my old buzzwords that i like to use uh, and those all came from reviews so if you have an opinion on the show, make sure to let me know. Make sure to leave it and, and leave a review. Even if it's negative, even if it's uh not not super positive. Like as long as it's not just like completely like Faku should play. Like like that's uh we're we're past that point, folks. Like it's 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 done. On to the bench unit and on to, I think, uh once again the most positive part of the game. It's just it's unbelievable how this continues to happen. Uh Bones Highland. 23 points, 7 of 13 from the field, 4 of 8 from 3, did shoot 5 of 9 from the free throw line, missed four free throws. He's got to pick that up. He's usually an 85% plus shooter. But he just continues to prove how much of a scorer he can be at this level. And his shooting is just ridiculous at this point, where some of the shots that he takes, both off the dribble, uh, pulling up, there was a shot that he took in transition where you've got a kind of a three-on-three three fast break, and, and Chris Paul has sunk deep into deeper into the lane, not assuming that the rookie point guard across from him is going to pull up in his face. Lo and behold, Bones Highland, ye who don't care, uh, just decides to pull up right in the midst of an, an MVP, not, not MVP, a Hall of Famer, and he hits it. He's got just just cojones, man, and it doesn't matter who is lined up across from him. He is going to compete, and he's going to compete hard. I said it in the first segment, but it, it got to the point where the best thing for the Suns to do was to put Mikhail Bridges, who has a legitimate claim as a Defensive Player of the Year candidate and as the best wing defender in the entire NBA, they put Mikael Bridges on him to try to shut him down because campaign... Landry Shamitz, Chris Paul, Devin Booker, they weren't getting the job done. It was awesome to watch. And it's very interesting, right? Like This is the progression for Bones. This is what he's done. He's gone from a player who was more of an off-ball shooting guard, somebody who was having the the playbook restricted for him so that he could just be integrated into things. Then he started to be integrated and, and started to make some shots and make some noise and it certainly felt like Denver was playing better when he was on the floor. And so he played more and he played more. And then it became clear that he needs the ball in his hands. And, and in order for Denver to be them best their best selves, he needed to be the point guard. He needed to be the guy who could have the floor be spaced around him. And he has continued to take this bench unit to a different level as he himself has improved his game. Also had a steal and a block tonight. Zero turnovers, very few mistakes in general. The defensive end is another story. Like, he's still a bad defender and he still gets lost on that end. And, and being the size that he is, there's just very little that he can do when he's back cut by somebody like Mikhail Bridges or uh, Chris Paul or Devin Booker try to put him in the action and he gets kind of swallowed up by the screen or whatnot. It's like, there's just very little in certain circumstances that he's able to do as a defender. But he'll learn. He'll learn his place. He'll learn how to figure that out. And even if he doesn't, he's reached a point offensively now where the ceiling is just so damn high. And if he can continue to score the way that he scores, but also create off the dribble and create it for other folks, that is going to be so, so helpful. So I'm really, really hoping that Bones continues to show out that he continues to add to his game and that this isn't kind of like the top version of him. There are certain things that he can do. There are certain reads that he can continue to make. He's making some good ones right now, but as a point guard, as somebody who is going to – he's probably not going to have boogie all the time. He's going to – like if, if I were Denver, I would be investing in a true pick and roll guy, somebody who can put some pressure on the rim Make sure that it's an an above-the-rim kind of dude. Some sort of seven-footer that can can really do some things. And then pair Bones with that guy so that Bones can start learning how to make some of these other reads to passing out to the corners, passing out to the wings, reading the pick-and-roll man. He is going to get so much better. And he's already so advanced at a lot of these things that I'm just really excited for his future with the Nuggets. There are certain things that Denver has to learn with him. Like There's going to be some defensive lapses that Michael Malone is just going to have to deal with. But he dealt with them. and, And in a situation against the very best team in the NBA, he knew that he needed more offense. And he knew that he needed Bones. So he closed the game. Didn't work out. Very rarely does against the Suns. They are a killer. But it's just a really good sign for Bones and where he's at with Malone and Malone's trust. Also, kind of a, a side ramification a little bit of Michael Malone's contract extension is that he gets to play Bones in these situations. He gets to kind of live with the results sometimes while Bones continues to improve and make some strides and really kind of prep himself for future seasons. That's an exciting thing. Next, uh, DeMarcus Cousins led the team in plus minus tonight. That is not something I thought would happen. I thought that with Chris Paul staggering with the second unit, really did not think that DeMarcus Cousins would be that dude, but he turned out to be pretty helpful in general. There are some things that you look at with him, like some of the, when he, when he got fouled by Bismack Biombo, for example, and he immediately turned around and looked like he was going to punch Biyombo in the face. I can do without that stuff. I really can. I I don't think that it helps Denver. I really don't, Uh, despite what everybody says about wanting uh, physical toughness and, and and grit and things like that. I'm not sure that's what Boogie's doing here. But what I do know is that he has been skilled enough and has been a good enough decision maker in general that when he has put himself into a position where he can take and make the easy shots, he's been doing that and doing a pretty good job. He's also a guy that is very much respected beyond the three-point line, despite the fact that he hasn't been like the most efficient shooter. One of four from three tonight, but it created some offensive rebounding opportunities for other guys. I do think that his ability to space the floor definitely helps in a lot of situations. I wish he was more mobile. I wish there were some other things that he could do. But what he can do right now, what he's been doing a pretty decent job of, is rebounding the basketball. Denver won the rebounding battle tonight, thirty-seven to twenty-nine, and yet it happened while the Suns were making as many shots as they were. It's because Denver grabbed ten offensive rebounds, and Jamichael Green, Demarcus Cousins were a big part of that. They were two of Denver's three guys with a positive plus-minus tonight. So I do think that there is some definite like use for those guys in the playoff series. Even if it's not the best thing in the world, even if you're just going to want to get Jokic back out there on the court, I understand that. But there are going to be some times where Denver can go with Bones, Jermichael Green, DeMarcus Cousins, and just roll with those guys and, and hope for the best. They're probably good enough. Jermichael Green, one point tonight, uh, missed both of his threes. Both of those were killers. Uh, thought that they were pretty open, and he's not going to make them all, and, and like he hasn't really made a lot. But if he can get his three-point shot going before the playoffs, that would be such a big deal because he gets these open shots, and teams still aren't really respecting him that much, and it condenses what Denver can do. So when he does get those shots, he has to really make let them fly. And tonight, Torrey Craig hit two of five from three, Campaign hit one of two from three. Jamichael Green went 0 oh of two, and so you think about some of these other fringe guys. Like Bones is a core piece now. He's he's a part of that that core three point shooting that Denver needs. But there are always going to be some holes there. So Denver's going to have to find a way to fill them. Austin Rivers tonight not the best game. Uh, minus eight tonight, zero points. Actually, this is funny. Zero points, zero rebounds, zero assists, zero steals, zero blocks, zero turnovers, three fouls, 0 um, of 1 from 3, 0 of 1 overall. He was out there to try to guard Devin Booker and Chris Paul and didn't do a good job. Like, let's let's be frank. This was not his best game. This was not his best performance. He wasn't really making a positive impact. And that's fine because he he's made a positive impact in other games. I'm not really here to write him off it wasn't his best performance. But Denver's been putting the ball in Bones Highland's hands more and more and more. And with him being as good, you want him to have the ball as often as possible. So sometimes you look at some of the other wings, Austin Rivers, O of 1, Davon Reed, only four shots, two of four. And you look at that and think, okay, you wish you could get more from those guys in general, but there are only so many possessions that you have. Denver had a 130 offensive rating. They were fantastic in the possessions that they did have. So there's not a ton of other possessions to go around. So you hope that those guys can capitalize on those at different moments. Uh, Davon Reed in particular, I thought was pretty good. Uh he, he's one of Denver's best guys from shooting the long mid-range shots, which everybody else is pretty inefficient at. Davon Reed's pretty efficient. And he's efficient enough that he can take those and, and feel pretty comfortable, pretty like within his realm of taking those shots. He doesn't take them often, but he does it just enough that it's perfectly reasonable for him to do so. Also grabbed three rebounds, had one assist. Did have a turnover, but it is what it is, was a plus two. Look, the bench, they've taken on Bones' identity. He's become the leader of that group. There are some, like the veterans on that group, and you can throw Bryn Forbes into that as well. They all look to Bones in a lot of ways. Like he's not going to be the only guy that ever does anything. But when they need a bucket, when they need to get into a good set, he's the guy that they go to. He's the point guard. He's the leading scorer. He's somebody who can both set the table, but also create a shot for himself. It's one of the reasons why Denver fans wanted him to play so much early in the year. And I'm glad that Michael Malone slow played it because now we're in a position where Bones has really earned everything. He has not been given a damn thing. He has taken it. And he's truly thrust himself into this position with just great play. And I look forward to what he does, just not, not just for this season, but for years going forward, where Denver just has an embarrassment of riches when Murray and Porter come back. And you start to look around at this rotation, think, man, Bones might only play 15 minutes a night at times, but he's going to be fighting for more than that. And the more he can be on the court, the higher volume scoring performances you're going to get. It's going to look really, really good. So you can take some positives from that for sure. Let's take a break. When we come back, we are going to talk about the Nuggets versus Suns matchup and where it goes from here. We'll be right back. We're back, pickaxe and roll final segment here. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. I know this is another tough one to tune into, but we don't have that many of these games left. Look, I mean, Denver's played 74 games. And there are 82 games in the season, so you're guaranteed eight more. Denver, for all intents and purposes, they are guaranteed at least 84 because of two play-in games. But I honestly still think that they're gonna be out of the play, and they're gonna be in the playoffs. They're going to have a first-round series. That's my belief. It may not happen, but it is my belief. And so we're just going to be in a situation where Denver's probably going to have a very few amount of games left. We're right here at the end. Time is ticking on Jamal Murray and Michael Porter coming back. I doubt that that's going to happen. Well, not doubt. I see – I just – I don't know, folks. Like – I've been told so many different things. It wouldn't surprise me if Michael Porter popped up as questionable on the injury report tomorrow. Like We're at that point where I really wouldn't be surprised about anything at this point. Obviously, it's better to default towards them not playing right now because it just sort of seems like that is where we're heading. But even if that's the thing... Like we've had an opportunity to see Bones. We've had Jokic playing at such a high level. Aaron Gordon has proven a lot of different things. Monte Morris has stepped up into the starting point guard spot. There's a lot to be thankful for. There's a lot to be excited about, even. As this team, like you know that they're going to get healthy at some point. You add those pieces into what they've already got, and you've got something really, really special. But let me tell you, the Suns... Are really really special right now. This team, sixty and fourteen. I mentioned that earlier. They have turned execution up to eleven in terms of just being one of the very best and most uh, killer killer mindset type teams. Every single moment of every single game. Sometimes, like if they're not locked in, they won't. Um, like they'll, they'll let some stuff go. They were locked in for 48 minutes tonight. And I was really impressed with the way that Denver hung with them. I I really do genuinely think that, look, every team has some slip-ups. The Suns had some slip-ups too. Denver had some slip-ups, but for the most part, both of these teams were operating at hundred percent effort. And for the Suns, the execution was at hundred percent tough shot making at hundred percent their offensive, def- their offensive versatility is just so high, and when you surround a superstar scorer like Devin Booker that way, you just can't help off of anybody, or else you're going to get burned. Like, look, Jay Crowder hit four threes. Mikael Bridges went eight of nine. Are you going to help off of Chris Paul? That seems like a bad idea. Going to help off of DeAndre Ayton? He's turned himself into one of the most efficient guys around the rim in the entire league. There's just very few weaknesses. When the Suns are clicking on all cylinders, and they were tonight, could Denver have done more to stop them? Maybe. Maybe they could. But I struggle to think of the ways. But let's ask the question then. Can Denver match up with that? Can they – when they're at full strength this year, like hypothetically, let's say these two teams meet up in the Western Conference Finals. Jamal Murray's been back for a little bit. Michael Porter's been back for a little bit. Denver has found their rhythm. They found their way navigating the Western Conference playoff field. The Suns have just been demolishing the competition because, of course, they have. And these two teams meet in the Western Conference finals. The Nuggets, a six seed, an upstart. The Suns, the de facto one seed of the entire thing, and have been fantastic. Now, if you're Denver, I think you improve offensively with Murray and Porter there. I think despite the fact that Denver scored 130, Like There are still some things that they could clean up, and some of it's the turnovers. I think that Denver would have fewer turnovers because I think that Murray just sort of tightens up the execution in a lot of different ways. He forces the Suns to react to him in various ways, and that kind of frees up the pressure on everybody else on the floor. You can have some better precision, better tactics can be deployed in a variety of ways when you have Murray and Porter, the offensive end. Not going to be an issue. Denver's shown that they can score on the Suns. They scored 130 points tonight, but they lost by 10. And the reason why they lost by 10 is because the Nuggets have very few answers, if any, defensively. Like Denver shot 47% from three tonight, they lost by 10. Denver played a fantastic game, but the Suns right now are playing perfect basketball. Unless Denver improves defensively, there is going to be no way, shape, or form that the Nuggets can take them down. Booker can't go off for that many points, that many assists, 49 points, 10 assists, only two turnovers. Shot like 16 of 25, just a very impressive performance. You need somebody who's going to make his life more difficult. And I'm not sure if that person is on Denver's roster. I think about what Jamal Murray is going to do. Like, let's say he starts. Let's say he plays. Are you going to put him on Devin Booker immediately? Probably not. Are you going to put him on Chris Paul? Maybe. Maybe that's what you do. But he's still going to have to chase around Chris Paul, and that seems like a bad idea. The best thing is probably to put him on Mikael Bridges. Tell him to stay glued to his help assignment. Try to rotate as well as he possibly can. But in general, don't have to work as hard against Chris Paul or Devin Booker. But it does mean that in all likelihood, Will Barton is on Monte Morris. Or not Monte, not Monte. Will Barton or Monte Morris is on Chris Paul. And Aaron Gordon is on Devin Booker. And I'm just not sure that either of those options are great either. Like, you got to factor in Michael Porter into that situation too. When you put Michael Porter on the floor, that's not going to be great. He's going to have to navigate the pick and roll. That's going to be really, really tough for him, just like it's tough for everybody, but especially for him. So Denver's going to need somebody who can make life difficult for Booker and somebody who can contest, contest the shots that Chris Paul was putting up there tonight. In addition, Bones still learning how to play defense. So when he's out there offensively, like they can do some great things, and I think that he'll step up to the plate in that regard. But there's always going to be a defensive ceiling with him on the court. He's going to be hunted out. He's going to be hunted for sure. And while Nikola Jokic was decent on defense tonight, he had three steals. Thought he broke up a couple of nice plays. Uh, there were some other things that he did, and, and like he probably needed to rebound a little bit better. But offensive rebounding wasn't the biggest deal. But he's still average in this matchup, and and there may not be a like I think Matt Moore said this. There may not be a worse matchup for him, point guard and center, than Chris Paul and DeAndre Ayton. Because Chris Paul needs you dragged out. He needs you to contest that shot. And that leaves Ayton right under the basket. For whoever is rotated onto him, Like those guys have no chance. Just none. Because Ayton is so good and so skilled. And so big. So... He can lose focus, Nicola can, on guarding the CP3 and Devin Booker pick and rolls at the maximum that he needs to. And it's hard to think of him doing that for an entire seven-game series. Like, that just seems like a really, really tough prospect. So, with that all being said, I do not think that the Nuggets can beat the Suns this year. Like, almost under any circumstance. It just seems like the Suns are a team of destiny. Like they are a team that is well on their way, that as long as they don't like kind of have the injury on like injury bug, I was trying to say unluck, uh bad luck. And as long as they don't have a bad luck on the injury front, or a team just doesn't catch them, then they're probably going back to the NBA Finals, and whether they play the Bucks again or the Nets or the Heat or the Sixers, or the Celtics, whoever knows. I'm picking the Suns in any of those series. Even against the Bucks, Because it just seems like the Bucks are in this position where, or not the Bucs, but like the Suns are in this position where they just have counters to everything. Every single thing you can throw at them. I think the Booker has improved enough that he's a guy that that will continue to make plays, even if you've got a massively tough defender on him too. But here's the thing, just because without Murray and Porter, Denver lost by 10 to a great Phoenix Suns team, just because they lost doesn't make them bad. Denver has a very defined place within the NBA pecking order right now. It's somewhere in the 3-12 to 12 range in terms of what their actual like talent and ceiling is. I think that the Suns are a better team than them. I think that at full strength, the Warriors are probably a better team than them. But other than that, I think if you put the Nuggets up against every other team in the NBA, they have a chance if they're fully healthy for sure. And even against the the Warriors, I think you still have a chance. There is no fault in being like the second or third best team in the NBA when at full strength. Denver's got some work to do to get to the Suns level. And they're probably not going to do it this this year, but it doesn't mean that it's not a successful season if they can't claim a playoff spot. They can't if they don't if they win a first round series. It's still a successful season. I would probably say, given what they've had to deal with. It sucks that they don't win a title in that case, but I'm not going to like whine and cry about it. Look, this team has dealt a crap hand. The moment Murray tore his ACL. In mid-April last year, life was always going to be really difficult for the Nuggets franchise, to no fault of anybody's. It's just a crap hand, just a, a really, really tough situation, confounded or uh, compounded, excuse me, by the fact that Porter goes down, and then you're stuck doing a variety of things. When the hope would be that they develop Porter, that didn't happen this year, and it's okay that it didn't happen. But Denver still got reinforcements coming at some point, whether it's this year, whether it's next year, there is some excitement for sure. And their magic number to be in the top six is still at eight with eight games left to go. Denver still controls their own destiny. If they win out, they're a playoff team. If they beat the Wolves, that actually counts as a double whammy. So they don't even need to win their final game. So we're going to see. We're going to see what the Nuggets can do. I still think that this is a re- this was a really good performance. And I am not going to sit here and act like, oh, woe is me. Woe are the Nuggets that they lost to the Phoenix Suns. The Suns are really, really good. This was a good Nuggets performance that was outmatched by a great Suns team. And that's okay. It might just be their year. And if that's the case, you control what you can control as the Nuggets. That is going to do for this episode of Pickaxe and Roll, brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. Appreciate all the love and support. As always, I will be back probably after Saturday night's game. I uh, don't think I'll be doing a podcast uh, heading into Friday nights, but you never know. You never know. We will just have to see. If there's a surprising injury update, of course I will probably post something. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. Appreciate all the love and support. Talk to you guys very soon.